The word multimedia is the use of a variety of artistic or communicative media using more than one medium of expression or communication. Café is a type of establishment that serves coffee and is known as a place where information can be exchanged. The following is the audio version of the Multimedia Café. And a happy Friday, February 22nd to you folks. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Multimedia Café. A place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Here at the Multimedia Café, we conduct interviews in a multiple of mediums. We do them over the phone, we do them over... Facebook, perhaps Skype, even the face-to-face here. We still sit down and do interviews. In fact, that's the two interviews we have today. We sit down with Brad Lincoln. He's the co-founder of Funkworks Brewery out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Gives us insight on the microbrew business, the craft beer business, the sale, distribution, product development, all that about growing into microbrews. I remember the first time I tried that microbrew, it was a... You buy it at the store, a Mr. Beer, I think it was called, something like that. You bring it home, and you take some time, and you brew this beer, and it takes a while, and it turns out to be some very disgusting, we'll call it liquid. And at that point, I thought, you know what, I'll just go buy it from the professionals. I've done that with a few other things. Pho, that Vietnamese soup, it's absolutely terrific. Noodle soup, it was called back in the 70s uh, by people coming back from Vietnam. Anyway, that is absolutely fantastic. Some of the best soup I've ever had in my life. I tried making it at home one day. After about, oh, five minutes and the 50th ingredient that was needed for that, I went, you know, I'll just spend eight bucks and go buy it from the Vietnamese Chinese restaurant. I'll be just fine. And that's what I've done. So that's what I think of when it comes to microbrews and distilleries and that sort of thing. Because on the second half of the program, we talk with Arthur Widener. And he's with Doodlebug Beverages. Well, he found his great grandfather's recipe and he's got a product called north dakota sweet crude now north dakota his roots are from north dakota he's from there so they're the names in there but the sweet crude is kind of a cinnamon a ginger a lemongrass a little citrus in there gives us some very interesting notes in terms of um, uh, liqueur because it is a liqueur and a 75 proof but like i asked him i said you know did you uh you know try to distill it down in your bathtub you know the old bathtub distilleries type thing and he chuckled he said you know we did i did try to distill it one time and he had the same thought i did you know what just go hire it out to the professionals so he outsourced his recipe to a distiller and he talks about that whole process so he's um you know he's the he's the recipe or originator he's the distributor and then he's like a co in terms of distillery but he outsources to an absolute professional that in fact he's so into quality control he purchased equipment for this distiller that he went into business with just so it would have the correct equipment for his grandfather's uh, recipe for the sweet crude interesting program today we're going to talk about liqueur and craft brews and again that was uh, uh, brad lincoln out of uh, fort collins colorado with funkworks is the microbrew We're going to be visiting today Funkworks Brewery, Fort Collins. Brad Lincoln's his name. And then, of course, as I mentioned, Arthur Widener, Doodlebug Beverages. Interesting story on that, by the way. He started in with this North Dakota Sweet Crew. He's an engineer by day. So he's actually a full-time professional, a whole different career. This was a hobby. 
that really turned into something big enough to where he's like, I have to quit my career. So he's retiring from his career as an engineer. He works for John Deere, corporate John Deere. So he's like a big time engineer. But this liqueur thing that he started, his great great grandfather's recipe down, you know, in the old distillery days in the backyard, uh, is now taken off to where I think what did he say? It was uh, oh the wine, total wine, total wine's a big chain. And one of the executives was at a party and tried his sweet crude and loved it enough to where he decided to uh, you know order enough bottles to make Arthur Widener say, you know what, it's time to get out of the engineering game and into the liqueur game. And he also is into hops and caramelized sugar because he's such a stickler for quality that his little hobby business turned into three hobby businesses. So you can see why he's retiring. So a whole schmear, smorgasbord, buffet of topics here at the Multimedia Cafe. You like how I kind of threw in the cafe with talk with the smorgasbord and the uh, buffet? You know, I haven't heard the word smorgasbord in a long time when it comes to actual food and eating. I only hear it in my terms, like literary terms, when you want to describe a, an entire uh, myriad or an entire, I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Plethora. Of items. I was trying to find a couple words that mean many, you know. Too many words in the English language. It would be much easier if we didn't have that many. Okay. Let's get to uh, our first interview here. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to join Brad Lincoln. He's a co-founder, Funkworks Brewery out of Fort Collins, Colorado. My name is Jason Spies, and this you is the Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. You want someone who's competent. You don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation. Up next, we talk with Brad Lincoln, the co-founder of Funkworks Brewery. Funkworks. Uh, first off, let's uh, talk about Funkworks. What, what, what is it? What do you guys do at Funkworks? We've been around for almost seven years at this point in time. Uh, we focus on saisons and sours primarily. We have about 160 barrels in our barrel age program. Uh, we're not a huge player. We did about just under 6,000 barrels last year. Uh, but we do kind of niche styles between saisons and sours. We really focus on that. So we're not a brewery that's for everyone uh, doing our own thing. I would imagine being a, a brewery, it's not about you know competing with Budweiser or competing with um, Coors or anything like that. It would be more about making the numbers work and making sure that you've got a good product so that you know that you're going to make those things work. Because I, I don't know much about the microbrew business. Is it a high risk business? Is it? A, you know, I don't know. I think it's probably becoming more high risk. I think that there's a lot of entrants coming in, mm-hmm. which always has the potential to. Um, you know, create a, kind of a, a bubble kind of experience. Um, 
you know, for us, so I think we're kind of past that point. You know, I'm not necessarily concerned about our future, but those early years, I can tell you, it was much more concerning. Originally, I was an accountant years and years ago and then went to Marine School. Uh, so I had experience in kind of doing and looking at financial information. I, I take care more of the business and sales side now. And, uh, my business partner, Gordon, takes care of uh, kind of the production side of things. So that's kind of how we split it. But there's always... There's always is a fear out there of, you know, is something going to change, or which it always is, this type of thing. And what type of beer are you showcasing today? Uh, we have uh, primarily our Saisons and Provincial Series, uh, Kettle Sours uh, that okay. we do. Uh, we have our Pineapple on Draft, which That's is it. one of my favorites uh, that we do of the Provincial Series. So raspberries are our best seller. Apricots always also available along with raspberries or prototype, and we brought one of our prototypes here being the Pineapple, which I love. Hey, Josh, could, could I get a pineapple to Absolutely. give, it, give it a gonna, try? I was just going to talk to you guys. I wanted to make sure that uh, the conversation was over first. Oh, no, yeah. we, we don't mind. We'll put this right on the radio that I'm ordering a, a beer on the air. That's oh, fine yeah. by me. Oh, yeah, I'll put it on there. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to sample it, so that'll be good. Uh, uh, you're a former accountant? Yep, former. I worked for uh, Deloitte Touche many years ago. And now you're in sales? Well, that's a, that's I do some of the yeah. sales, but yeah, I don't do a lot of it. I, hey, I'm, I'm out of the data. Do you have a tab? Should I throw it on the... I can pay for it as it goes. It doesn't matter. Okay. So or or a tab, you know. Okay. Uh, whatever works. I just want to make sure I got the right... Yeah. No problem. That'll add it up. Um, <laughs> uh, talk to me about that uh, transition, because accounting and sales are two different types of brains. Yeah. You know, you I know, mean... County more linear thinking, sales more abstract. And I don't know that I'm great at either one, so it might make me okay at both. Uh, hey, that's good, man. That's good. So, uh, you know, I have become an accountant primarily because I have been told that a lot of accountants are really good at starting businesses. Uh, so uh, primarily, uh, you know, accountants start a lot of businesses. You can read financial statements. You get a good understanding of how things work. And so that's why I had chosen to go be an accountant um, after college. And then getting into the sales, it was much more along the lines of, well, Gordon wasn't going to do sales, and so it looked like it fell to me, and so that's kind of how I got my start in it. I got uh, Laura and I, um, who was our first employee, got our first 200 accounts, and uh, we kind of grew from there. Mr. Brad Lincoln, hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Brad Lincoln. He's the co-founder of Funkworks Brewery out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Monday night. Record songs on Tuesday and on Wednesday we take out the wife. But then on Thursday night, it's back on the road. I don't care if it's North Dakota or Southern Minnesota, just as long as I grow. Cause that's my life, yes, y'all, and I love it. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we're talking with Brad Lincoln. We're going to conclude the conversation. He's the co-founder of Funkworks Brewery right here on the Multimedia Cafe. This is Brad Lincoln. And I will say, I was not the best salesperson, but I used to be the guy who would you know, call you over in the store and, and say, hey, you want to try this? And that kind of thing. That was my job. I don't know that I was the best at it, but I was okay now. See, it's, it's inspiring that an accountant can go to a, to a sales job and get 200 accounts. And uh, talk to me a little bit about that process, because 
you've got a, a new product. Um, back then, and how long have you been? This was about six and a half years ago. So six and a half years ago was really kind of before the craze took off. Yeah, and I would say, you know, being in Colorado, there's still a lot of craft breweries, but, um, you know, we had six or five maybe in uh, Fort Collins where we were, and uh, we were number six, now we have 21. You know, so it kind of does tell you that we were right on the kind of the forefront of that. But one of the things that uh, stands out to me uh, about that time, uh, kind of getting together and, and kind of doing the transition from being a captain to, to going into the sales of the site, is that we, uh, when we first started going, um, I kind of lost my train of thought here. I apologize. I kind of got distracted with that. Uh, transition. Oh, transition, the transition yeah. between us two. I apologize. No, it's okay. The beer's that good. Yeah, it is. Uh, so transitioning from being an accountant to going into the sales world, uh, as we talked about, I you know, I was the one who was going to do it. We went and got it, uh, got it started. We had the 200 accounts. There was all these new breweries. But it wasn't where we were able to stand out because we were doing uh, different things than everybody else was. And we started going uh, and got... Um, when we first started going out there, we were selling Cezanne. People hadn't heard of Cezanne before. It was very difficult. What is Cezanne? Cezanne is a Belgian style of beer uh, that is a little bit more dry. It'll either come in more spicy or fruity notes. Okay. Uh, it's not a huge hop presence in it, like an IPA or anything like that, but it has a, a little bit of a hop presence. Um, and then from there, um, so we were going out, we were telling people what Cezanne was, and you know, going from being in brewing school gave me some credibility on it. But what really did it is in 2011, we got a silver medal at the Great American Beer Festival. And then in 2012, we got a small brewery of the year. And so after that, that was huge for us. We were able to sell in very quickly. Where was the Great American Brew Festival? It is in uh, Denver. So okay. it's, for, it's for the U.S., but it's always in Denver every year. So that's nice. Pro- proximity, geography worked out great for you. you got to keep your travel expenses down and yeah, everything. Yeah, it, you know? it was. It's very nice. Um, this... Pineapple. Okay, I understand raspberry. You guys probably grow raspberries in Colorado. I imagine. We probably do. We get ours from Oregon. Actually, you get them from yes. Oregon. Okay. Um, pineapple. That's that's pretty specific geography there. You're talking Hawaii and maybe some other. Yeah. Well, we get it from the same company we get the raspberries from. So okay. how we kind of chose the fruit was the the story on provincial was uh, we did a. Provincial is the kind of the sour aspect of the beer. And we did a version of this, a seasonal, I want to say about three or four years ago. And, um, we had a batch that didn't meet spec. It was under gravity, so it just had a little bit less alcohol. We didn't want to bring it to market because it didn't meet our qualifications. But the beer itself was good. Gordon had the idea of, like, let's throw some raspberries in it. And literally, um, it's like a very pink beer, and it took over our patio that summer. You would have these moments where we would go from... Uh, you know, one person would order it, and then the entire patio would order it. And we went, out, we sold out in about ten days. And so after that, we started kind of bringing it back to the seasonal, and then it just stuck. Um, and Raspberry Provincial kind of took off, and it's now our number two bestseller outside of Tropic King, but it's fast approaching that uh, to kind of overtake it. So after that, we started experimenting with various different fruits. Uh, we did uh, one with apricot. We did a hibiscus. We've done a we did a dry hop version, which will actually be our one of our seasonals this year. Um, and then my favorite is the pineapple that you're drinking. We did this uh, as just like let's let's see how pineapple goes with it, and it goes very nicely. The sour mixes well with the pineapple, and it's just it's very easy to drink. By the way, this is my first beer in over a year. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I feel mean, good about that. Thank and, you. And it's not, yeah, and it's not because I don't you know. 
go out and drink or anything like that. It's just that, you know, I've, I've got a kid that I, I raise, and so I just don't uh, have alcohol around the house. And um, But when I like to go out, I like to order a craft beer because it's about the experience, and it's about the textures and the layers to it. And I, and I see that with the pineapple. I can taste the pineapple in there, but also I can taste... Um, some of the other elements that a traditional beer brings. Um, how how does this work? What the, how long does it take to make a batch? So, how many? I mean, what? How many ingredients do you got to put in there? Well, you know, it's um, it takes a little bit longer than some other beers that we do. Uh, but uh, what we do is kind of a little bit different process. So most beer, you'll go through, you'll brew the beer, you put it in the tank put yeast on, you dry hop it, and then, you know, after a few weeks, you uh, you carbonate it, and then you put it in package it. How do you carbonate it? Uh, we have a bright tank, and we actually bubble CO2 through it. You inject the CO2? CO2? You inject the okay. CO2. Okay. Um, but with uh, this particular way, we have another step in there, which is uh, we let it sit uh, overnight for a couple days, depending. Um, and we will put a souring bacteria in it, which will turn it sour. Uh, and then we bring it back into the kettle, boil it so it kills all the bacteria. Um, and then we drop the yeast at that point in time. So it's a little bit different of a process, a little bit more complex, but it gives it uh, that kind of that sourness. And then later on, instead of dry hopping, we add pineapple into, a into kind of the fermenter at that point in time. Do you do an IPA, a heavy IPA? No, one? we don't. Okay. We actually we have stuck really just to Belgian styles and uh, sours. You know, there were so many good IPAs around, and we're in a town with New Belgium and Odell's who just do excellent stuff. And we knew from the start that we wanted to be different than everybody, uh, which is why we we don't do any IPAs. We don't do any kales. Occasionally we'll do a stout because I like stouts. We did our very first lager, which was uh, done on a whim just for our tapper. That's another nice thing about the tap, uh, the smaller taps, and the crafts and the the micro brews is you and it goes back to controlling the numbers to where you you don't want to run too far away from a um, a stock you know what I mean a root a core and that sounds like what you guys are doing you found you found your successful core and introducing a, a pineapple one or a raspberry one is almost more like a fun time for you guys as it opposed is. to okay we got to make these numbers work because we got a whole new department we're going to go ahead on and talk to me about that a little well bit. you know i would say that one of the things about this and it's uh at least craft beer at our size is very much like what do gordon and i want to do like certain things we have to do we have to brew enough saison we have to brew enough king we have to brew enough raspberry provincial but uh in some years we didn't have enough tanks because we were growing so fast we grew we doubled two years growth we grew by 70 percent last year so we're finally at a point now where we have enough tanks that we can go have a little bit of fun, which is kind of why we're, you know, we have the, the pineapple in this type of thing. And it will be just on a whim. Gordon will decide that he wants to do something. I'm like, let's try this. I'm really excited about this particular project. Let's go do that, and we can do it. And if it doesn't turn out, well, it goes to drain. Uh, but it's really just us who kind of get hurt by that. We don't have, you know, any other investors or anything <laughs> like us. It's just the two of us. Uh, Brad Lincoln, uh, co-founder? Yeah, co-founder. And uh, CEO, CEO or sales or... Uh, Co-founder Funkworks, uh, microbrew, is it correct? Yeah, craft beer. Craft beer, okay. Out of uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Have you guys explored the cannabis beer at all? Are you looking at that? No, because like we actually got a call on that. Gordon got a call on that, like uh, I want to say a year ago or whenever it started to become legal. Do you like to have a beer, though? Yes, please. Uh, same thing? Yes, thank and you. And pineapple, I imagine. Yep. 
Wait, what kind is it? Bartender? Oh, uh, we're looking at, I have, I have descriptors here, uh, the Pineapple Provincial. So if somebody ordered a Pineapple Provincial, how would you describe it? Honestly, I haven't tried it quite yet, so I probably should be back with a sample for myself. Yeah, you should get it. Just get, definitely get it. Yeah, and then, and then and I'll make sure that you have a beer first, because you, you got to be high. you got to keep getting high. Here, I thought that was a softball for him to read that, but okay, all right, you gosh. Uh, okay, so, so we tried a cannabis beer, or we didn't try it. We were approached by it, and then Gordon, um, we're federally licensed, so always the big fear is if we go do something along those lines, the feds are going to come crack down. And certainly under the new administration, that is very much more of a concern than it was under the Obama administration. So we're not touching it. We're not going in that direction. So be, because you guys are an alcohol, you're considered yeah. under the federal. We're under the federal license. Yeah. We have a federal and a state, and a, like we have 14 governmental bodies. And that was Brad Lincoln, the co-founder of Funkworks Brewery out of Fort Collins, Colorado. If you want to check out the full-length interview or other exclusive interviews, visit our parents' website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network, so check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All of those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. Yeah, next go I think it's Paul I say And then there'll be only Ringo to play Well, God, he says an eye, but I makes a whole world blind For all the tears of wind, John Lennon died Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Arthur Widener with Doodlebug Beverages. Jack, go ahead. Arthur Widener, Doodlebug Beverages. And kind of pre-interview here, Doodlebug Beverages goes a little bit further than we thought. Uh, we're talking today about the sweet, crude, it's a, a liqueur that... Art Widener has uh, perfected and uh, found out you're more of a distributor and an author of, but you're not the distiller itself. So uh, without getting too technical here, start us with the recipe and then give us the description to where we're at today where you're the distributor of Doodlebug Beverages. So uh, how did you, is this a family recipe? Or? It is. It's about 100 years old. Okay. Uh, Great grandpa Albert, uh, excuse me, Martin. Uh, not not Grandpa Albert, but Great Grandpa Martin started it uh, um, before the age of prohibition. But North Dakota was a dry state in those years, and uh, it was a dry state for forty five years. And so people out in the West, you know, out of necessity, had to produce their own alcohol if they wanted to have a little bit of of, uh, of the spirit. And there's lots of family recipes out there. there used to be, anyways. Um, you know, you still go out there and people want you to try their apple pie recipe or something like that. Sure. 
Um, this is quite a bit different than those, uh, but... Uh, well, what's in it? What's in it? Well, it, it's, uh, you know, one of the main ingredients, of course, is caramelized sugar. Uh, and that's something that I produce myself um, because um, I find it it's, it's very important for the quality of the drink. And, and you were telling me, um, as we kind of did a little pre-interview here, that you did that out of basically your own personal preference of quality, quality control, that the stuff on the market just didn't seem to have the quality that you wanted, so you took that matter into your own hands? Right. And, and, and it's something that we used to do in the kitchen, you know, in order to produce the, what Grandpa, uh, Martin, and Albert used to do. Um, they showed us how to do it in the kitchen. Uh, well, you know, that's not going to work when we're talking about production level, 1,000 bottles, 2,000 bottles, 4,000 bottles. Um, so we had to come up with a process and, and a piece of machinery that could, could do it for us. What was available out on the market, again, is mostly as a colorant, not as a flavor profile, and that's not what North Dakota Sweet Crude is about. We're about the natural flavors that we can produce and uh, give people a unique experience um, the reason that we started the, the business, I, I mean, I'm, I'm an engineer um, by upbringing and by uh, genetics, if you talk to my wife. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't looking to get into the alcohol business. Um, it wasn't in, in my, wasn't on my windshield at all. Um, but as we started sharing, you know, the family recipe around out in the western part of the state when we would go hunting... Uh, people kept requesting it. Uh, you know, one time we called back and said, hey, we're coming back out to hunt. And, and he said, oh, yeah, it'd be great. But you know that bottle you brought last year? Yeah, I'm going to need 12 this year. So my brother and I started looking at each other and said, hey, we might have something. <laughs> and you've got more connection to Western North Dakota than just hunting. Yeah. Uh, so my family uh, is from uh, the Zap, North Dakota area. Oh, Zip the Zap. All exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it have the the former mayor's, who's now the mayor again, has been back on our show a number of times. Terry uh, Barden, mayor of Zap, North Dakota. So it's going to be fifty years this spring. Yes. Yes. We were talking I need, about that. I need to do something big out there with him. I, I need to get out there and do something. Well, we laugh because he he won the last mayoral election as a write-in, and he wasn't. He didn't know about it. He was on vacation, and they called him and said, you won the mayor election again. There was a guy on the ballot even. And he won because he was the previous mayor. Uh, right, right, oh, that's right. so like funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, so you've um, your family's from western North Dakota. Yep. The, the sweet crude, I went right away to the Bakken. Do you, do you uh, have a vested interest in the Bakken? Um, you, you don't have it in the name, but sweet crude, obviously, people think of oil. Right. So. Well, I mean, the Zapbula area, if you, you know, lignite capital of the world, yeah. right? So coal is king there right now. But yeah, we still have some mineral rights in the area. Um, not much. They're not worth anything right now, but, you know. Hey, oil gets be. up to 100 bucks, it might be. Right. Yeah. Right. Could happen. Um, and it, it will again. So, okay, you. how much of this did you do yourself? Your, your grandpa did the recipe, your great-grandpa. Well, and it's been it's been tweaked. Yeah. I mean, you know, grandpa and, wasn't putting citrus into the, okay. it, you know, he wasn't putting lemongrass in. What's in it? What's in you it? Know, What's so, well, besides the cinnamon, which is what you're going to get up front, is a lot of cinnamon. the dominant flavor. Yep. Uh, but, you know, it's backed by the velvety uh, cover of the, of the, uh, of the, the caramelized sugar. I mean, that's really what's what's coating your tongue and, and mm-hmm. giving you that that good sweet flavor 
um, and helping to control the alcohol burn because mm-hmm. uh, there is really no alcohol burn with this liqueur, uh, even though it's 75 proof. Uh, you know, people try it for the first time. They're like, whoa, 75 proof. Um, but you can't tell, really. Uh, and that, that has a lot to do with the, with the caramelized sugar in there, that, that it's actual caramelized sugar. And then uh, the cinnamon, uh, it's, a, it's a tough brewing process to get all of that cinnamon flavor out of there. Um, but that's, that's one of the things that, that you know, Grandpa had, did right. Uh, and he had it, had it down. And so then, along with that, then there's some ginger and some lemongrass and then uh, the citrus notes. Was the ginger and lemongrass part of your great-grandfather's recipe? Ginger was. Ginger was. Uh, but not lemongrass okay. and, and, and citrus. I, well, I that, don't know where he was getting ginger That's from. what I, mean, I was, was going to ask. A, it's a tropical thing. Uh, oh, ginger comes out of Canada. Okay. Oh, I think Canada is the biggest. Really? Lot. That's where... Canadian dry ginger ale. Oh, okay. That's, that's the reason they have so much ginger ale. Oh, okay. Is that Canada is a very big supplier of ginger? Yeah, I didn't know that until last year. I didn't. I yeah. didn't know that either. But it makes sense when they started co- correlating the Canada dry ginger ale, right? With um, with that, so right. yeah, I imagine that's where you got the ginger from. Then was probably it, it Canada. Must, it must have been. But lemongrass, that's pretty specific to oh, the yeah. Pacific Rim or the right. Asian countries, right? Yep. Um, so that came later. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, at what point did your family stop brewing it in bathtubs or with distillers out in the garage or barn you know, so or whatever? Basically, because uh, you you tried it just with those home kits or you know whatever the heck, right? Yeah, and you yeah. realized okay, yeah, yeah. this isn't anything that I'm really interested in becoming yeah, an expert yeah. in. And yeah. you did it more for fun just right. to see. So right. this said, I'm an engineer. Yeah. I got to understand how things work exactly. But I imagine your you know maybe your grandpa probably. Stopped so, or so great great grandpa Martin, uh, you know, out of necessity, he was he was cooking it up in the smokehouse, right? Okay. Hey Martin, why are you smoking a pig in July? I don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> you got your ginger order in? Just <laughs> stuffing the pig with ginger. Right, 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 right. So uh, <laughs> you know, prohibition ended, uh, you know, and probably about thirty four in North Dakota. Uh well, that's a pretty tough time in Western North Dakota. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, people were scraping on by on, on fumes and dirt back then, um, so they weren't going out and buying alcohol. Uh, so they were probably still distilling. But you know, after the and then the war, World War II comes on, uh, you know, and things are pretty tight then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, after World War II is when uh, when the family kind of gave up on great grandpa's still out of necessity. Really, um, you know, the thing was. Not that great to begin with, and, and uh, it's probably pretty well broken down by then. A lot of barns still you can see on the interstate <laughs> driving by going, you know, if a leaf falls on that barn, it's done. All right. You know, all right. Type thing. Okay. Yep. So, so, okay. so then they, they, you know, then they switched over to, to the what was, you know, readily available and, and, and mass produced. So when did you start doing this? When was your first bottle sold? First bottle was sold July 20th of, this, of 2018. Okay. So eight, nine months ago. Um, when did you start the process to when did you sell the first bottle? How long did that so take? So it took me three years to oh, get to wow. market. Yep, I applied for a business license in uh, May of 2015. So you hear that, kids? You got a good idea? For a liquor, it takes three years to get to market. <laughs> well, most of that was encompassed in the the machinery and, and process refinement of, of caramelizing the sugar. Oh, okay. And then the red tape of 
Not 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 much. Okay. No, in fact, North Dakota was was fantastic to work with. Okay. Because um, a lot of times when you, liquor's involved, right. um, you're talking. Well, boy. and then the fact that I I'm not the distiller, right? Stringent. I went I went to a distiller that knew what he was doing. He's the president of the American Craft Spirit Association. I mean, he's he's top dog. He, he's perfect. Okay. A, at the at the top of his craft, and so you know to get him on board that was that was huge, right? I mean that's that's a lot of homework that I, that yeah. I don't need to do. Mr. Arthur Widener, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment as we take a quick break. We come back. We're going to continue the conversation with Arthur Widener of Doodlebug Beverages. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Multimedia Cafe. I've had my run. Baby, I'm done. I've got to go home. Let me go home. Welcome back to the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation here at the Multimedia Cafe, a place where you never know who you're going to run into or what we're going to talk about. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Arthur Widener with Doodlebug Beverages. Now, how many locations are you in, roughly? Uh, I'm going to say 75, maybe okay. 80. And that's um, and that's in North Dakota. Okay. And is, and that, then, is that liquor stores or bars or both? Both. Okay. Both. Okay. And then, you know, in Minnesota, currently, uh, well, there'll be a kickoff party on Friday uh, for the next location, but uh, that'd be nine locations in the, in the Twin Cities. So when I was interviewing the um, healthy seed oil guy out of Carrington, uh, Gushus, he mentioned that, like, North Dakota's got some odd CBD hemp oil laws to where you can't actually export anything outside of the state. Um, I imagine liquor has a lot to do with. It. In fact, I mentioned this earlier. The, the uh, Fargo Beer House or the Brew House, or the Fargo Brewing, Brewing. Company, yep. uh, they have to go through the distributor to get beer to their South Fargo location. Right, so it's not where they actually brew it. Right. So there, there's a lot of um, different hoops you got to jump through when you're talking about liquor or hemp or anything like that. Did you? Are you finding that out going to Minnesota or oh, have you tried to get into yeah. South Dakota? Have you yeah. tried to get into Montana? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so uh, yeah. There's 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 idiosyncrasies in in the regulations in every state that you go to. It's it's a learning process. Um, I would say you know to get us from into Minnesota again. I I I went to another distributor who's already there because I knew that that it was going to be too much of a headache. It was going to take me too long, and it would be too costly. Quite frankly, I mean, Minnesota, the, the regulatory environment is so much different than North Dakota. And so uh, I, I went to somebody who was already in the business, uh, got a recommendation from the distiller, and, and I couldn't be happier. I mean, the guys are kind of people, uh, you know, here's a handshake and, and, and off on business we go. So in North Dakota, I've been really pleased with with the regulators and, and um, how helpful they are. 
I mean, even though there's regulations out, and I read through them, and I would I would call them up and I'd say, look, here's what it says. But I know that other people are doing business this way. What's the disconnect here? What am I not seeing? So, oh, well, you're not seeing the policy manual that you know that that's uh, an addendum to the regulation. Okay, well, can you explain that to me? Because uh, obviously, I'm not I'm not getting this. Right. And, and so, yeah, there's a whole another realm of, of policy that that goes hand in hand with the regulation and and. Uh, and, and you know, again, that's just kind of a barrier to entry. That you got to you got to knock on the right door to, to find that sort of stuff out. Uh, South Dakota, Montana, adjacent, even Wyoming to a certain degree is right. uh, adjacent to North Dakota. Any luck there? Well, so far I haven't gotten that far. Okay. Um, uh, you know, right now it's 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 basically me doing the deliveries and sales and everything part-time because you have a full-time job. Exactly. Yeah. And, and hopefully I'll be able to retire out of that here in the next month or two. Um, but uh, I mean, I got a I got a couple of you know high school college guys that I rely on every once in a while to help me do the, the sugar caramelization and what have you. Um, but and we should, <coughs> excuse me, we should mention that that through this doodle bug beverages, you've actually been able to spawn off two other side businesses. So yeah. you got your yeah. your caramelization business, which. Right. You mentioned the Junkyard Brewing Company, if I can even say that, is going to be buying some stuff from you. So you got a customer. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they, they did. did. Yeah. And then um, you're growing hops? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and how yeah. did that come about? Well, uh, I, I got a friend. I mean, uh, there's no hops in this drink. No. Okay. No, there's no hops in this thing. Uh, so I got a, a buddy from college, a uh, doctor of pharmacy here locally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he and I, you know, are kind of gardeners, farmers, what have you. I mean, he actually, you know lived on a farm and farmed potatoes mostly out by Sabin. And so his his parents are aged and they're out of the farming business, but they still live on the farm. And so, you know, he's looking to the future. He's like, well, you know, there's going to be land here in the very near future. And, and I'd like to kind of simplify my life a little bit, kind of get out of the pharmacology business and, and more into a business of my own. And, and so he, he was looking into it and he he and I both really enjoy beer, and uh, we say, hey, it's probably an opportunity with this local um, impetus to, to buy local and use local ingredients that, that we could get into the into the farming of, of hops. So we put a test plot out at his family farm, and he needed me because I'm the engineer and I'm the construction guy, and so uh, we, we, it, it takes kind of an elaborate setup in order to, to grow hops. Um, and in fact, you know, more so for ours because we didn't want to have any impact to the to the family farm. So we've got solar power, um, you know, uh, free pumping irrigation system, um, uh, reclaimed trellis system, um, and so uh, the idea is then okay. We've we've proven the concept that that we can produce good quality hops here in the area, and now. We'll go up to my farm, which is actually my my wife's family farm, um, up north of Georgetown, and we have more acreage that we can incorporate up there, you know, along the lines of like 15 acres, and that'll be a, a viable business. Have you done a crop yet, like a, a we season? Have. So it, it harvest. Takes, it takes three years, three years to okay. to, to really get to a, a harvestable crop in in the hops business. And this year was uh, was our first three-year plants, 
and uh, we were able to sell our entire crop to Junkyard Brewing as well. And so they'll use those hops and my sugar in the same beer batch, and they'll have a, an op- a tapping uh, uh, party probably end of March or beginning of April or something like that. Are you going to try to get a sweet crude beer with those guys? <laughs> like a cinnamon-flavored beer or something like that? I don't know. I don't know. You know, Dan, those... Dan, Dan would be into it. I mean, if anybody would be into it, it would be Dan. But, well, uh... well, you mentioned uh, ginger, cinnamon, and lemongrass. Right. So if you incorporate citrus. Yep. In citrus. Yep. So if you incorporated that into a beer, I'm sure they'd be all about it. Right, right. Jeez, hey, what the heck? Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned you're retiring from your full-time job. You're an engineer by trade. You're right. an engineer by, I would imagine, that's put the bread on your table. Right, right. Um, any, yeah, it's, uh, been, it's taken me around the world, that's for sure. Yeah, by the way, Art Widener with uh, Doodlebug Beverages, he's also an engineer by day. This is uh, uh, kind of a side business that he's hoping to transition into a fun retirement business. Uh, is that how you're kind of looking at this? Is you, yeah. you know, kind of yeah. retirement where you, and you know, work be able part to spend, time and spend more time at, at home and, and actually be more philanthropic. Yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I had one gig where uh, I had wild success uh, in sales and uh, reaped a huge bonus one year. And wow, that was fun to be a philanthropist that year. I bet. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was it was just great. You know, to reap that kind of bonus and be able to go, yeah. You know what? I'm gonna bless bless this. Uh, Ministry or this this yeah. uh, nonprofit, this pay it way. forward type thing, right, right. Uh, so what's next for you? Um, you're gonna when are you retiring? Retiring? Do you know? Uh, I guess my stated goal is to be retired before the end of, of March. Oh, that's, that's coming a, up. Yeah, yeah. So not like next year, next nope. month. No, nope. no. Nope. We've been thinking about it a lot, and uh, I just in order to grow the business the way it, it, it's going. Um, I, I really need to be able to spend some more time with it and, and be able to spend some more time with my family. And that was Arthur Widener of Doodlebug Beverages. Thank you very much for joining us here today. If people would like to check out the entire interview or other exclusive interviews, like the one we did earlier with Brad Lincoln with Funkworks Brewery, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. The Multimedia Cafe is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Be part of our ever-growing army of social media followers at 350,000 plus. Go to thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab. You'll see our entire network of social media pages. And once again, that's thecrudelife.com. Well, this is the Multimedia Cafe. Here, we're part of the Crude Life Media Network, and I'd like to thank you very much for joining us here today. That's going to do it. And we'd like to thank our guests once again, Arthur Widener, Doodlebug Beverages, Brad Lincoln, the co-founder of Funkworks Brewery out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Of course, those interviews and other exclusive interviews can be found at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. This is the Multimedia Cafe, and we will be back Monday. Same time, same channel, same radio station, same time. If you are catching us online or through iTunes or maybe through one of the other various social media sites or online podcasting stations we have like stitcher and was it real radio broadcast honestly there's like 40 of them you put it into one thing and they just shoot out there all kinds of different places i like to say itunes and other online podcast networks you can find us all over the web just type in multimedia cafe jason Spees, the crude life or just go to the crude and it'll get you everything you need right there from the staff at the Multimedia Cafe. My name is Jason Spies, asking you to savor life 
and enjoy the spice. Hey, on my, 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 to the night.